0: Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina.
1: Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Phyllis Amon here with my co-host, Rabina Chaudhry. I'm here in Connecticut. Rabina's in Southern California. How are you doing today, Rabina? Great, great, beautiful day in Southern California. Oh, that's great. So our episode today is about grandparents, our wisdom keepers, and uh, Grandparents' Day has quite an interesting history that Rabina and I wanted to share, and. One of the reasons is actually because earlier this month, the Sunday after Labor Day, is actually an official holiday known as Grandparents' Day. And um, Rabina, you and I have done some research on it. We found quite a bit of interesting information, didn't we? Yes, we definitely did.
2: We definitely did. And uh, I think we learned a lot about this uh, uh, one pioneer woman who made it her life's mission to establish Grandparents Day. Perhaps you can share about, uh, about her.
1: Great. Yeah, so um, her name was um, Mrs. McQuaid, and um, she lived in West Virginia. And um, she started her campaign, actually, for a day to honor grandparents in 1970. She and her husband had 15 children, 43 grandchildren, Ten great-grandchildren and one great-grandchild. <laughs> I can't even imagine that I have two.
2: <laughs> well, well we're, we're still beginning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, there's more ahead? I, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> but anyway, well, I, uh, um, you know, uh, Mrs. McQuaid, um, you know, she she started this campaign um, in her community, she became very active. You know, I think this is a perfect example of grassroots advocacy. I mean, she really started at the grassroots level volunteering in local organizations and um, and went from there a little bit. Do, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, you know, she was very diligent. She was
2: a community service uh, service oriented served on a few boards but basically just uh, one step after another she just kept at it and that really as you said is a is an example for all of us that if we pick a mission that we don't give up that we continue to uh, to move forward and, and the, here is one example of one woman who uh, Uh, who followed through on her ideals and ideas and uh, got support from family and friends and community and at the end of the day was able to have uh, President Jimmy Carter sign this uh, into law as as an official holiday just like Mother's Day and uh, Father's Day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, what I thought was interesting about her story was she talks about how she learned about caring about older people from her mother who used to work all day on the family farm and then would visit older people in the community. In those days, they called them shut-ins. And she would accompany her mother to visit all of these people and talk with them and that's really where she developed an appreciation and respect for older people and I think it's so fitting because you know it's not only about grandparents but what we learn from our elders and how valuable they are the wisdom that they pass down to us and as you say uh, actually it started off with um, grandparents day being declared a holiday in West Virginia and then, um, yes, it progressed from there. And she, like you said, she was on all kinds of boards um, in in Washington and, and in her state. And as you say, in 1978, Jimmy Carter finally signed the day into into um, in, as a holiday. So, you know, interestingly enough, uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to do a show about this today is because um, Rubina, your uh, nonprofit, Olive Community Services, is celebrating grandparents this weekend, and I thought it was only fitting that we tie it all together. So do you want to briefly tell us a little bit about it? Mm-hmm. Yes, before we go there, uh, Phyllis,
2: one of the things that we learned is that Grandparents' Day does not have an apostrophe S. It's not Grandparents' Day. It's Grandparents' Day. It's, it's total, it's community. It's not for necessarily only the grandparents. And that stood out for me. And yes, definitely um, some of the other research that we did Is that there are organizations that will even give you activities to do during Grandparents' Day. Uh, Some of those activities were like, you know, during this month or that week, uh, change your profile photo to with your grandchild or a grandparent. So there are lots of things to sort of acknowledge and just softly. Recognize uh, recognize grandparents, and to come to Olive Community Services, it was actually our senior programs coordinator in our annual uh, conversation when we were looking at our programming for the next year. Who came up with the idea? She said, "You know, we should really celebrate grandparents." And we, of course, we googled, and long behold, there's a National Grandparents Day on the you know on the Sunday after Labor Day, and with uh, Everybody's vacations and all that. We couldn't really muster a celebration on that Sunday after Labor Day. So we said, "Okay, we're still within September, so so let's uh, let's uh, have a gathering, a picnic." And uh, in the in the last segment of our show, our uh, uh, co-organizer co-chair of the program will be joining us and sharing a little bit more of the details of exactly
1: what's going to happen oh that's that sounds terrific you know um, something that i thought was interesting is that the reason they chose grandparents day to be in september was it beca- was because it was the beginning of the fall or autumn, and it's considered to signify the autumn years of life. That's something that resonated with me as well. Definitely. And I, I can truly share
2: from the bottom of my heart, uh, Phyllis, that just in planning for this show and uh, and in uh, planning the Grandparents Day in Olive, I've learned a lot more uh, and and come to appreciate uh, much much more of the efforts that many people uh, are are spending or, or undertaking to appreciate and uh, acknowledge grandparents.
1: And then of course our guest in the second segment is a person who's helping to care for her grandchildren. And so our conversation will extend to what are we as older people imparting to our children and to our grandchildren. And, um, you know, I've thought about that quite a bit because recently I was visiting with my son, who actually lives in California, and we went to a museum. And um, in this museum, there were pictures of, um, of this village in Poland where the villagers were shooting at Russian soldiers. And what struck me about this picture was that those were stories that my grandmother told me when I was little. And in looking at this picture, I imparted that to my son, and it just had so much more meaning than if he would have read it in a textbook. And so we pass on so much that we don't even realize. You have grandchildren also, don't you, Rubina? Yes, yes, I do. I have four grandchildren. They're age age, between ages 10 and 2. And what do you think you're imparting to them? Do you care for them on a regular basis or not? Well, I I kind of pseudo care
2: for them. I'm very fortunate that uh, two of my grandchildren, one of my daughters lives in the same city that I do, and her children come to my house daily, and uh, we have a, a caregiver, a nanny, who's been with us for now over 10 years. And the way that came into being is a story in itself. When uh, my grandson was born, and my daughter, of course, she's an attorney, she was looking for care options. And uh, I am a business person. So I said, okay, you figure out how much it will cost you to take him to daycare. And I will put in the additional money so that we could have somebody who would come to my house, and then she could bring her son to my house, and I would have the pleasure of seeing him and grow and play, and that arrangement has worked beautifully, and now his younger sister, uh, two and a half year old, is, uh, is uh, you know, with us as well. Uh, so. I have the pleasure of uh, seeing them as a, as much as I want to, but not the not the obligation of um, of taking care of them because a caregiver is there. So isn't that the best of both worlds, Phyllis? A-
1: Abs Absolutely. I um, my daughter has a six year old and then two three year old uh, twins, both girls as well. And uh, one of the challenges uh, that you and I talked about, and also we talked about with the guest, is that um, I feel a little out of touch sometimes. This is a, one of my challenges. While I love visiting them, they, they've they since uh, bought a house, and so they live a little bit of a distance away. And so it's great visiting them. But one of the challenges that I face is that I'm out of touch with some of the characters that they follow and... Um, you know, the, the the movies that they watch. And so it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes. They look at me and I don't know what they're talking about. But, of course, I always try to interject something meaningful <laughs> about those characters or stories that I feel I'm imparting as some kind of philosophy, a way of living and... Mm-hmm. um
2: that that definitely is a challenge my second daughter lives about an hour away and uh, we get together on the weekends but i i, I find that that same uh, the same thing that that you're really not in their environment uh, with the two ch- children that come to my house you know i've seen my granddaughter at least three times already this morning within and out and uh, One thing that I've tried to do there, I know they've been inviting me many times, but this uh, Labor Day weekend, I took them up on the offer of a family vacation. So we went on a vacation together. So that was good quality time with my my other grandchildren who don't live close by.
1: Oh, that's terrific. So let me ask you, what... do you think you, your grandparents imparted to you or your parents imparted to you that you're imparting to your grandchildren? You know, when we pondered
2: on this question, the biggest thing that I could remember, the most significant was that my grandfather, who, father who had come to Canada and then gone back to India, he taught me the English alphabet, the ABCs and the numbers and And that has stuck with me. So what's most important to me is education. And I am taking it one step further so that, so that I, when, uh, well, for example, I don't buy gifts for my grandchildren. Um, I, when they were born, I started scholarship funds for them. So every payroll X number of dollars directly goes to their scholarship account. So, so about two years ago, my granddaughter, who's now nine, she was about seven at that time, she asked me, Grandma, are you going to give me a birthday gift? And I was almost tongue-tied, I well, uh, said, <laughs> because I wasn't planning to give her a birthday gift. <laughs> and, and then, then I said, you know what? I give you a birthday gift every two weeks. She said, what? <laughs> I said, you know, you know um, because the money goes into her, her scholarship her scholarship fund. And yeah. then she, she got very curious, curious and yeah. she spent some time actually with her father trying to figure out what colleges she would go to because grandma's already started a
1: college fund for her. Uh, that's terrific. I, that was beautiful. She, she didn't, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids are looking for gifts, something substantial, something they can hold or play with. That wasn't an issue for her. Well, there are plenty of other gifts. It's an issue for me. I feel that
2: children have too many things. And uh, when, uh, you know, so I just, that's just me. It's too many, too much. Uh, So I give them uh, an investment into their education. And when my, you know, um, nephews and nieces, they have babies um, and or friends, you know, children, I give them a $100 check with a message written to the baby saying, dear so-and-so baby, please ask your parents to start an education fund for you and use this as a first deposit. And, you know, and I've had some comments back, dear auntie, yes, we will start a scholarship fund
1: for our child. That's terrific. And actually, nowadays, it's probably a great idea to start at that time because colleges are, the cost is astronomical. So it really is a great idea. It is. It is a
2: great idea. So that's a couple of the things that I am doing. And uh, what are you doing? I have a couple other things to share too, but let me uh, hear from you what, uh, what you're sharing just before we go to our break. So
1: actually, um, I, I told you this story about how uh, it's, not, it's kind of indirect. I... I initially wanted to be a concert pianist and studied classical piano for many 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 years and when my children were young we had a piano and recently when my daughter went to buy her house she asked me if I still had that piano I don't it was important for her to her for her to pass on music and mm-hmm. to pass on the piano in her home to her children so indirectly I've passed that on and it actually it touched me uh, pretty deeply to know that wonderful wonderful i think we will now go to a break and we look forward to uh,
2: talking with everybody shortly and this is uh, voices for elder care advocacy on the empowerment channel of voice of voice america thank you
0: Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phylliseldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private. Sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chantri is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive of Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions. Caregivers face, visit Olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amen and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy Show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy.
2: Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina Chaudhry with Phyllis Heyman, and we are now ready to welcome our guest, Suzanne Swope. Phyllis, would you introduce our guest, please?
3: Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Rubina. Um, Suzanne Swope is an educator and grandmother. She received her doctorate in education at Boston University and her master and bachelor's degrees from Ohio State University. She's served as vice provost at George Mason University and vice president for enrollment and student affairs at Emerson College, where she also was a tenured professor in the Department of Communication Disorders. She now helps care for her two granddaughters in Winthrop, Massachusetts, where she also serves on the school committee. Suzanne is dedicated to improving public education and educational opportunities for all young children in the Winthrop Public Schools. Welcome, Suzanne. How are you doing today?
4: I'm doing fine.
3: Great. So may I ask, what's your age and what are the ages of your grandchildren?
4: I'm now 77, and in November I will be 78. And my grandchildren are now five and eight.
3: Oh, awesome. And um, do you care for them every day? And and how long have you been caring for them?
4: I do care for them every day, Phyllis, from about 6.15 to about 5 in the evening, sometimes later. And I've been doing this for about five years. I I left my job and came back to help um, my daughter, who is a single parent,
3: Oh, awesome. Um, so my question is, if, if you've been caring for them for, you know, several years, so they're, you know, now older than, you know, their their school age now. So how has caring for them changed over the years, do you think?
4: It went from changing diapers to changing minds. <laughs> I, like to think about <laughs> I it. love it. And it's... It's changed because as they grow up, I, am, I have a, actually have a second chance in raising children. I raised my own. And I can see some of the things that I would like to have done differently, and I'm hoping that I'm doing them with my grandchildren. So I, it does change because, of course, they change. So school responsibilities for them are now a part of their day, after-school activities are a part of their day, and certainly that wasn't true when they were age one and age three. So, um, you know, it's all this developmental process, as well as a developmental process with my own daughter, who's there, who's going through this for the first time.
3: Oh, that is interesting. So um, how does does that affect caring, you know, for grandchildren because you're there as a grandparent, but you're not their parent, and are there situations that arise where, you know, you as obviously has much more experience as an older person, would possibly do things differently, but yet things are different now because times are different now.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Good question, <laughs> Phyllis. Uh,
3: I just thought of that. <laughs> the, um,
4: uh, being, I have never been a grandparent. So you see, this is a new role for me also. And because being a parent is a new role for my daughter, we, we need to work on it. And you're right, I'm not the parent. And so I try to make sure that our communication is clear between the two of us. And when we disagree about how we might manage something or handle a situation, we talk about that in private. And I acquiesce to Mom, because in the end, Mom is a responsible person. <laughs> <laughs> and unless I plan to be around for another 20 years, I um, I want to make sure that she's in charge.
3: Oh, and and... I plan for you to be around for the next 20 years. I'm sure your grandchildren do. I mean, there are plenty of people that I was uh, actually at a conference yesterday, and there was a woman who was saying that her grandmother is 99 years old. So, um, people are living older, you know, living longer.
4: Longer. Mm-hmm.
3: So um, that certainly is something that we're looking forward to.
4: <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs>
3: Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Rubina? I, I think it's a definite possibility. Uh-huh. So then,
4: you said that it's re-
2: different raising children now than when you were raising children, your children.
4: Right. What are some of the dif- differences? Can you highlight sure. for us, please? Um, we just face such different times in this country than we did when I was growing up in the 50s. First of all, we never had something called social media, and social media puts different types of pressures on children. Um, there's a lot of anti-bullying campaigns in the schools. There are there are problems that might, might arise from a simple argument and then escalate into an entire school issue because of social media. And this creates, I think, a lot of peer pressure and peer influence in this digital age, which is different even now in in third grade, if you can believe it, um, than it it was when I was growing up. Secondly, I think kids are much more sensitive to climate change issues. So it's recycling, it's how are we taking care of the planet, it's how are we growing our food, etc. Thirdly, this changing economy, I think, is making a big difference. When I grew up, your parents had a job for life. Mm-hmm. My daughter's had several jobs and looks forward to several jobs in the future. So it's a less stable time, I think, in terms of the workforce. This is also a multicultural world. In Winthrop, we have a lot of diversity, not only diversity of ideas, but diversity of cultures and languages and religions. And I was not exposed to that at a young age. And that is something I I learned as I grew up, but it's very different. And so I, too, am learning a lot about changing cultures as the kids ask me questions about their their peers mm-hmm. and what they think and what they say. So I think those are all very different. Hmm, very, that's very, very, that's very interesting.
3: Um, I have a, a question that you um based on what you said about your your granddaughter being in third grade and bullying um, how how um, how is she um, handling some of those issues or how do you help her negotiate some of those issues because as we all know that is a problem both in social media and you know face-to-face situations
4: well I hope I'm helping her navigate her way through life with some understanding about how you resolve conflict And conflict resolution is becoming more and more important. So it's not just using the word of bullying when something goes wrong in her classroom for her. It's figuring out how she's going to manage that relationship with that particular child. She said the other day when she she got into a disagreement with another child, and she apologized, I said, well, how is that going? And she said, Nana, you know, he's just not... As forgiving as I am. So <laughs> I thought that was an interesting comment. I said, Well, I guess you'll have to just continue to work on that with him. She said, Yep, I will. So it's, um, it's, it's that kind of negotiation. And it's not just about a conflict. It's really helping her, I hope, and both of them, they're both girls, navigate their way through their disagreements, through their accomplishments, through whatever. And hopefully, I'm hopefully helping them to become kind and accepting and loving all the things that we want ourselves to be, right? And all the things that we want our kids to be.
3: And And we want other people to be, right? (laughs) We want other
4: people to be. So I hope they grow up as independent women and will appreciate what they have been given in their life. And how they hope they hopefully they can help give that back to others. So having having said all that, uh, Suzanne, what would you highlight as the challenges and the joys of uh, uh, of uh, being a grandparent <laughs> in this day and Well, let's start with the challenges. <laughs> <laughs> That's just fun. Um, the biggest challenge, really, as a grandparent, is safety. It's it's making sure that when they cross the street they're looking both ways it's making sure that they're not running ahead of me in a grocery store where i can't find them it's it's really truly safety and that is something that i i am concerned about every day and it's a challenge uh, secondly handling disagreements now i haven't seen a a a 5 and an 8 year old disagree in quite a while until I started babysitting. And it's it's how you manage those conflicts, <laughs> making sure that they haven't hit each other or they haven't pushed each other or whatever and that they're using words, but figuring out how to handle them. I, I read once that 80% of the time you just handle things with your own children like your parents did. And I do think that's true. That's your first reaction to a problem like that. And yet, as a grandparent, I have time to think about how I might manage that conflict differently. So I'm working on that, but it's hard. Ensuring communication between their mom and me is very important, and just the physical and mental stamina of of doing the work. But the great thing is I am teaching kids about what wrinkles really mean (laughs) and how wonderful they are and that you have to earn wrinkles and they can't have them. And it's So it's about helping them appreciate age and watching them grow up and fun things that happen. I mean, they're funny. (laughs) So it's, it's generally a great day and I always start out the day with them saying, Ruby and Hazel, what's it going to be? It's going to be a, and we say, great day, and we try to make it that way.
3: You know, I just think I learned something from you because I have a big smile on my face because, um, you know, it is about, um, you know, in this day and age, we're concerned about um and I, I admit it personally, you know, about wrinkles and looking a certain way, there's so much of our, you know, commercial culture that's about looking younger and, you know, um, taking away wrinkles and all of this kind of thing, but it's, it's, it really is something that you've earned through life experience, and um, maybe we should all think of it as a, um, as a badge of honor in a way, I guess. Yeah. I'll we have could. To, I'll, I'll have to rethink <laughs> that. <laughs> I, you know,
4: I, I just think that, that really, and when it all comes down to it, one of the big, big uh, help, I mean, the big help that I give Diana is I am saving her money. This is an unpaid job. Right. and It is, um, in this day and age, child care at 18 to in you know, $25 an hour is quite a hefty, a hefty challenge for most young people. So, if I can be there and somebody with, you know, and I am somebody who certainly cares more about them than, well, life itself. <laughs> um, I, I think um, I think I think that'll be a, a helpful influence. I hope, and um, I hope it saves her some money so she can invest it in their education or the other okay. things that they need.
3: I, yeah. You know, um, you, you said that you how you're how you're doing this is different from how you raised your own children and you're looking at that and, um, you know, maybe there are things that you could do differently. Can you talk about that briefly for a moment? How, how do you think it's been different?
4: I have time. I was, I was in Diana's situation in terms of work when my children grew up. And so I think I did some things that were more expedient Rather than working through problems and then coming back to them and, and thinking about ways to solve them, and appreciating all the things that they do, all the things that the kids do—little things that I may have missed in my own children—and it's—they uh, were in in daycare and in childcare very early at a very early age. And so that has its advantages also, but it also it 's nice to be able to come home to someone who 's there after school and hear about your day, do your homework, go out and play, have friends over I mean those are all things that I you know they 're different than than what I was able to able to do okay. it's not that um, I think that they're stymied for life because I did it a different way it 's not that. It's just that uh, there is uh, a time for a bit more appreciation. And hopefully uh, they will be less hard on themselves and think well of themselves as well as others. So I think that, uh, not that Diana doesn't do that, but I think that's something you have to learn eventually along the way. So hopefully Ruby and Hazel will learn it early. Wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful thoughts, um, Suzanne. How have you embraced digital technology? Well, I, I, through my work, I learned more about it. But I'm um, I read more about it, and I take very seriously what's said. And even as a member of the school committee, I learn a lot from watching people in, during meetings, but also listening to their posts and watching their posts on Facebook. And it gives me a sense of of what's going on. So I think that that is really important. So I spend more time on it. I'm definitely not as facile on games. I I can play a no for shooter games, nor do I that say So I guess in that way... I I will stay retarded uh, about stuff like that for a long time, but but I, I do spend some time on social media and thinking about how it's influencing the kids' lives.
3: Uh, you know, it's interesting that you said that about the games and that you'll remain, like, retarded about that because... Um you know, something that I talk about um, with my grandchildren is that, you know, um, they'll say, oh, Grandma, what princess am I dressed up as? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who the princesses are nowadays, uh, you know, and I, I my daughter has told me several times, that's Moana, and I'm like, Oh, oh yes, you're Moana, but the next time I just don't seem to remember Moana. <laughs> I think that's a challenge for me. Is, it's you know, okay, Some Phyllis. of the characters. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to you know, live through the, all of them. <laughs> the movies, the characters. I mean, um, I don't know, maybe because you're with them on a daily basis, you have more exposure to it. I'm not, so, you know, I'm not doing that in my spare time. Do you think that you've... Um, You know, you understand more of, you know, the the movies they're watching, the characters, um, you know, in the few moments that we have left?
4: I do know what they're watching, and I do think that's important. I think it's more important for me to be able to listen to who those characters are and who they think they are and how that impacts their lives. So it's not a question of me knowing it all. It's a question of me being interested in what they are teaching me about what they are watching. So that's something to keep track of, I think, for all parents.
3: Uh, I agree. So uh, we're going to pause for a brief brief break at this point. When we return, uh, Rubina and I will continue the discussion about grandparents who are also our wisdom keepers. Thanks so much, Suzanne, for being with us today. And we'll um, hope the listeners will be joining us back in a few moments. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Phyllis Heyman the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phylliseldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm as well as founder and president of all of community services of 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. All access, all the time. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy.
2: Hello, welcome, welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina Chaudhry with uh, with Phyllis Eamon. and in this section we have a special guest who's waiting for a conversation with us. That's Shamim Sayed. Um, for a moment, Phyllis, uh, let's uh, let's pick up a couple of the nuggets from our uh, conversation with uh, Suzanne in the last section. Uh, Suzanne uh, referred to being. The possibility of being 100 years old, and as I recall from our research, September 22nd is the National Centenarians Day.
1: Correct? Correct. It's a there's a project called National Centenarian Awareness Project, and their mission is to uh is to uh, for continued involvement of our elders as integral members of society, and to celebrate those who have lived to 100 years old.
2: That's that's wonderful. And one other thing that was touched on was traditions. And you touched briefly on uh, the piano that your daughter wanted. And there's uh, one story, that, if you would allow me, I'd like to share also about traditions. May Absolutely. I? Love to hear it. You know, my, my granddaughter, who I mentioned earlier um, in our conversation, had another conversation with her mom. They were having breakfast, and she asked her mom, Mom, what did you eat when you were a young girl for breakfast? You know, we had this, this, and that, you know, pancakes, toast, etc. What did grandma eat when she was a little girl? My daughter thought. She said, oh, probably pratas," And my granddaughter reflected. She says, Mom, I want to learn how to make pratas because I want to keep the family traditions alive. <laughs> that That's was beautiful. That's beautiful and so touching. And then the next part is how do we, uh, how do we pro- propagate these trans, you know, traditions? I've had such difficulty because everybody's on a, this diet and that diet and this schedule and that schedule. Uh, that I really haven't had those opportunities to to create those delicious big you know family breakfasts and that, but that that is you know one of the challenges and opportunities for us to uh, to look at ways of uh, you know
1: promoting uh, traditions. It's interesting that you say that because my daughter. Uh, when when I, I was divorced, when they were younger, so it was really just she, my son, and myself most of the time. We had some extended family, but a lot of celebrations and holidays were just the three of us. And I have found as she has her children, she's very emphatic about carrying through with the foods that we had when she was younger. And those are the only foods that she really embraces as part of their holiday celebrations. Mm, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I have a suggestion for you, actually, Rabina. I thought sure. of it as you were talking. Sure. Maybe the, there's a possibility of of having a special day, or one day a month, or a couple of day uh, days a month, and and creating a special occasion where you share recipes or pass down how you make certain dishes and as part of some kind of family dinner. I don't know if it will work for your schedule, but I just thought of it as you were talking. You know, that's an
2: excellent idea. Actually, I'm about halfway there. Since that conversation, what I've decided is that when they come to my house, which is usually one one meal on the weekend because they live one hour away and then we get everybody gets together, whether it's a lunch or a dinner. But now I am making a homemade, simple, traditional meal, whether it's a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner, Uh, you know, and this uh, fast paced lifestyle, there's so much of uh, bringing food in or going out. And I found that we were beginning, we were doing that in our house also when the family got together. But after that conversation, I've, I've changed the paradigm. Uh, and it's simple meals when we're together, but they're they're homemade meals, as much as I can, you know, not hundred percent of the time. Time, but but thank you for the for the idea. I appreciate that very much.
1: Uh, I hope it uh, I hope it pans out. It's interesting that you said that about bringing food from the outside because there were a couple of holiday celebrations where I did buy some food instead of making <laughs> making uh-huh. some of the food and uh-huh. my daughter just was not in favor of that <laughs> at <laughs> all. It was like, what was the point of you coming if you weren't cooking and bringing the foods that we're used to eating so it it's it's a good thing that those things are passed down, and that is part of the legacy, I suppose. Yes, so, I think we we have to make
2: uh, make real conscious effort to do that, and uh, and our guest guest is sitting here and smiling along with us. Um, I would like to now introduce Shamim Sayed. Shamim is the co-chair. Of Olive's grandparents' day celebration and the picnic, and Shamim, can you share with us what uh, Olive has planned for grand
5: grandparents in the in the Southern California, in the North Orange County area? Yeah. Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you, Rubina, for letting me share the information about the grandparents' day uh, picnic that is coming up next Sunday um, in City of Stanton, Stanton Central Park. And the the reason I was the reason I decided to kind of go ahead and do this uh, grandparents day event was uh, the, the the foremost purpose was to um, honor and show the love to grandparents and build a bond and understanding across generations, uh, seek information and guidance and learn about heritage. Uh, the traditions and values and how they, can, uh, how they can strengthen the new generation to deal with the real uh, so- social challenges they are going to face. And uh, th- and lately, the, the last thing is to enjoy um, the full of fun day activity on um, gr- grandparents day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shamim, for
2: for all the hard work that you and your committee has done. And uh, the Stanton Central Park is uh, at 10660 Western Avenue in Stanton, California. And I believe tickets can be purchased from the Olive website, olivecs.org, or from Eventbrite, or by, you know, calling the number... That's uh, that's provided. That's seven one four six four three six three four three. Phyllis, do you have any uh, any questions uh, to
1: Shamim before uh, well, we continue
2: our conversation? I,
1: I just actually wanted to add that she mentioned uh, something about intergenerational relationships, and that was one of the purposes of National Grandparents Day. And there are many schools and community groups organizing Grandparents Day or calling it intergenerational day at different times throughout the year in order to bring families and communities together. And not only for children to show love towards their grandparents, but to uh, be able to express their respect and their appreciation for other special older adults and friends. So it's it's wonderful that you have this event that is bringing all of that together. It's just so poignant. yes, yes this this is going to be a great event. I
2: know Shamimi and her team have been collecting games, food, fun, uh, it's it's going to be a fun day and we would uh, like to encourage everybody who can to come and join us.
5: Yes yes, this uh, this event is for entire family. Actually, uh, earlier,
1: Rubina, you mentioned that there are organizations that provide uh, planning and activity guides for community groups, senior centers, and school. Schools, uh, it's known as the Legacy Project, if anybody wants to look them up and download any information or get some ideas. Did you happen to refer to the Legacy Project in any way when you were planning your event shame no we did not because uh, i learned about it in our research
2: for our today's uh, for <laughs> uh, for today's show but uh, but some of the ideas that i have learned uh, you know uh, uh, we will be implementing and one of the things that we are doing at the grandparents day is the social media outreach and voices for elder care advocacy will be a support sponsor for the grandparents' day, social media outreach, whatever the terminology is. Of course we have, you know, techies. My two-year-old wears the t-shirts. I'm grandma's tech sport. (laughs) (laughs) So the attendees who come and they, if if they get, if they like or whatever the term, if they like the uh, grandparent olive site, and the voices for elder care advocacy and the Voice America empowerment Channel site they will get a,
1: a special treat. That sounds terrific that yeah. sounds really great. great idea. Uh, I certainly social media is so important now and that's how information spreads. I mean look what just happened with this uh, climate change uh, uh, I guess you'd call it, I don't want to call it a demonstration, but this, you know, uh, this climate change, uh, yes. what, what do I, I can't think of the word, can you help me here? <laughs> it, it It is climate change, there, see, I believe there's a conference going on, conference, there's a that's very
2: young it. person uh, who, is, uh, who is the voice for car- climate change. And I heard a little snippet of her interview on The Daily Show and uh, puts many of our adults to, to shame with the, the, the beauty and the eloquence and the knowledge this young person has. Uh, and uh, she's championing uh, climate uh, related issues for her generation, not even for herself or her country, for her, her generation. And it, you know, as you said the other day, Phyllis, when we were talking, it, it doesn't take too many people. Movements start with one person. Correct. You know,
1: uh, one person can make a difference. Yeah. I think of many uh, people in history where it started with one voice, uh, one voice becomes two, becomes five, becomes ten, and then before you know it, it becomes a movement. Uh, My goal actually is to inspire a national conversation about how we treat and care for elder citizens who are our wisdom keepers, our parents, our grandparents. Many of them have served on foreign soils. Uh, They've fought for this country, for whatever country they've lived in, and they deserve quality care and a quality of life and respect and dignity. So that's one of the main purposes of why I speak about this. Um,
2: Wonderful. Wonderful, Phyllis. And thank you very much. And we welcome everybody in Southern California to Grandparents Day on September 29th from 1130 to 430 p.m. at Stanton Central Park. In Stanton, California, and you have been listening to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Empowerment Channel of Voice America. Please join us again next week.
0: Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.